they now have an expectation of what that price is, even though you have provided a coupon and or a discount code. And you're also impacting your ability to make good financial decisions from a P&L standpoint, because it's impossible, especially as you start talking about tens of thousands of orders, it's impossible to recognize that, oh, we had implemented a coupon strategy that obviously impacted our revenue, which then obviously impacted bottom line profitability. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. 48% of customers buy sooner when they have a coupon and 37% of customers buy more than they normally would. These numbers could be a great tool to drive sales and results. Most people think of coupons as discounts, but successfully implementing a good coupon strategy requires far more planning. The coupons require you to identify appropriate distribution channels so they get seen by the customers. The coupon also requires you to identify the right audience and have incentives for them that will drive them to make a purchase. Mastering the coupon strategy not only helps you increase your sales and help spread awareness of your brand, but how to follow a structured coupon strategy that will help with business results. In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss coupon strategies for e-commerce. We covered many grounds in this episode, including the difference between discounts and coupons and how they differ for B2B and B2C. Finally, we also discussed several concepts such as distribution strategy, measurement techniques, applications, implementation guidelines, specific coupon types and use cases, and best practices for implementing coupon without losing money. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And today we have a very interesting topic. Who does not like coupons? For one, I absolutely hate them because my wife actually collects them all the time and we have to go shopping all the time just because of those coupons. But today, what we are going to talk about is going to be how to motivate these people so that they can collect more coupons and so that we can sell more. Okay. So without further ado, we are going to start with our panel's intro. Ben, would you like to introduce yourself? I would love to. Thanks, Sam. Uh, my name is Ben Searcy. I am the Chief Commercial Officer at Govi, and we are a uh, what we like to call mass customer mobilization platform. Our focus is on how to get more value out of your customers for providing by providing more value to your customers. And a big portion of that has to do with uh, coupon strategy. So I'm really excited to be here. I think this will be fun and uh, right in my wheelhouse. So appreciate the invite, Sam. And I am super interested in digging into those stories because I know that you are doing a lot of work in strategizing for your customers. It's going to be so fascinating. Thank you so much for being here, man. Steve, can I move to you for your intro? Sure. Thank you for having me on. And it's good to see Eric, Ben, Dave, and David, both of you Sam in here. Uh, my name is Steve Rice. I'm the president of Dockland Jungle, and we help uh, manufacturers make implement wise technology choices. And uh, we're often working with the strategists and the marketers like them to work with uh, organizations like Gobi that Ben works with uh, so that the actual implementation of their uh, strategy has a technological underpinning that actually works with consumers. So uh, glad to be here and uh, love to see everybody else on here. Thanks. Yeah, and we are going to discuss both the physical and digital implementations of e-coupons. 
and which are going to be more effective at each stage of the company. Thank you so much for being here, Steve. Okay, Dave, can I move to you for your intro next? Of course, uh, yeah, this is going to be Dave Meyer. Yeah, well, you said Dave, so it's got to be. You. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can you can call it you know the the shiny Dave and the non shiny Dave. How's that? <laughs> All right. So um, I'm Dave Meyer with BusyWeb, and we are in a growth marketing agency that helps businesses largely in the B2B space to drive traffic and then to convert traffic and deals. This is going to be a really fun conversation for me today because it's one of those few things that I don't really have a ton of input on. So I'm going to learn from y'all and try to sound smart by inserting small clips. How's that sound? Thanks. Yeah. And I think you are going to have tons of insights from the marketing automation perspective because yeah. obviously the coupons, if you don't have the marketing automation set up, it's going to be really hard. So I think you are going to bring uh, tons of insight. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Thanks, Sam. Okay, Eric, can I move to you next for your intro, if you don't mind? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Uh, I'm Eric Landman. I'm e-commerce division manager of Earthling Interactive. I'm a Magento certified solution specialist, project manager, and e-commerce architect. I've built out over 50 sites. Um, my company also is a Shopify partner, so we have quite a lot of experience in a wide variety of sites. So I, I bring a developer perspective to this discussion. And that's going to be so important in implementing the digital side of things. So thank you so much for being here, Eric. Okay, David, uh, sorry, David Chrysler, and I'm going to mess this up. Okay, I don't like two days in one show. <laughs> <laughs> it's really okay, putting David you Chrysler, to the test. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me on here, Sam. My name is uh, David Chrysler, and I own a company called the Chrysler Club, where we work with business owners and entrepreneurs to help them create the systems that they need to be freed up from working in their business so that it can grow. I spent more than 20 years in the manufacturing space, directly responsible for uh, operations. So uh, sales and marketing, obviously from a um, uh, that end of things, as well as the operations in terms of how coupons impact uh, both sides is, is kind of the perspective that I'll be bringing. So thanks for having me, Sam. Yeah, and I think you are going to bring that comprehensive perspective that is going to tie sales, marketing, as well as finance and operations. So I think that's going to be super critical for today's conversation. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. All right. So let's dive into the topic. And that is going to be difference between coupons and discounts. I don't know how many people really understand what is going to be the difference between these two, whether you have one-to-one -one correlation or not, and where you are going to draw the line from the development perspective, also from the design and the architecture perspective, sometimes the coupons are not going to be the business objects that are going to be identified in a lot of different platforms. For example, accounting, I don't believe understand what a coupon is because that's a, primarily a marketing term. So there has to be some sort of translation involved. So Ben, I am actually going to start with you. Okay, if I were to ask you, okay, what is the difference between coupon and 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 discount how would you describe this sure uh overly simplified a discount is a reduction in price uh, whereas a coupon gives you access to that reduction in price so you know putting it in into real world terms if you come to a website and you're buying a, a sweater like i'm wearing on uh, wearing right now um you can two things can happen you can go to the website and it'll say normally 99 dollars slash 75 dollars that's a discount Whereas if I go to the website, I put it in my cart for $99 and then I enter a code or validate in some way a coupon that it gives me access to that $24 off that I would have otherwise had. So the coupon is basically a conveyance of value or conveyance of the discount. Uh, that's how we generally look at it. Uh, you're right. Accounting doesn't have a tendency to say uh, to, to really pay that much attention to it. There are ways of, around it. I know that question is coming up shortly, so I won't dive into that. But from our perspective, that is... That is the difference. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for that, Ben. And now I am actually going to move to Steve. So Steve, from your perspective, obviously when anybody says that, you know what, I am looking for either discount or I am looking for coupons. When we talk about incorporating this process digitally and implementing that so that we can track, we can measure the performance. If you really want to have sort of the digital business object of each of the, let's say we have the coupons and discounts. So from your experience, are these two different things from the technical perspective 
or are they really one? How would you draw the line between coupon and discount? I would draw a similar line as Ben. I would agree. And I, I like to refer to a coupon as, uh, at its best, is a personalized invite giving the consumer access rights to a discount. And so, you know, technologically on the back end, they, they are different. And changing the price in the back end so the consumer sees something different on the front end is usually a pretty standard uh, operating procedure, you know. Uh, but creating discount codes and then linking those to marketing programs, uh, either through an email system or something, is far more uh, difficult, technologically speaking. And, and there are systems that, that do that really well. And I would make a distinction to uh, one of the questions that's going to pop up is the difference between the discount codes you might offer and how they get implemented for a consumer versus how they might get implemented for a B2B customer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, we we take the approach and we sort of split the baby in half. And when we get to that question, I can talk about that because we basically a lot of our manufacturers offer discount codes that then get implemented automatically uh, when the the B2B consumer uh, customer is actually placing the order because B2B buyers are basically a little different than consumers and they don't want to be bothered with having to put in things like discount codes. So, so they get a discount code, they get the joy, the, uh, the, uh, what is it? The oxytocin rush of getting a discount code, but they also don't have to do all the hard work. Okay. So very interesting insight there. And I'm probably going to have a clarifying question for you there. So one of the things that you mentioned, Related to the difference between B2B and B2C, that's a really good point in my opinion. But when you talk about the discount code that you said that, you know what, if you are going to have a discount code in case of B2B, so is this discount code provided by the manufacturer to the distributor that they might be utilizing it for the internal purpose so that you are going to do some translation because that discount code does not belong to you? Is that what you are referring to when you say the discount code is going to be different when you talk about the manufacturer distributor scenario in case of B2B. I, I think I understand the question. What I was trying to say is that um, if you're buyers for who are buying from manufacturers, yeah, uh, they have a really hard job to do. You know, they're, they're buying from probably hundreds of other manufacturers and maybe for between one and a hundred stores. And uh, they don't want to be bothered with the nuance of trying to remember a discount code or something like that. Right. right. But from a marketing standpoint, you know, the sales team for a B2B customer, you know, they're dealers, so to speak. They have a um, like an emotional incentive to create a discount code so that so that there's a, a way to measure the efficacy of their own sales techniques, just like you would on the front end. And uh, so but you also. One of the main things you really want to do in a B2B environment is, well, you want to do this in B2C too, but you really want to remove every single barrier that you can to that dealer placing large orders. And uh, so if you're asking them, let's say you've got, um, I have a client actually right now who we've implemented a system where if you buy one product, there's another product you can get at a discount. And it's a one-to-one relationship. And, and they have many of these one-to-one relationships, and each one is actually represented by a code on the back end. And they do that so that inside the e-commerce platform, they can measure the efficacy of that offer. But they're not really offering that discount code to the B2B customers. So that's sort of what I mean by having it implemented differently. In the B2B thing, they could tell them what all those codes are. And if it was a simple thing, like there was just one offer, then they probably would. But they would also have it, let's say it was like buy five, get one free, whatever yeah. the thing might be. They would actually have that implemented automatically so that, the, you know, if you make a, a buyer who's trying to spend $100,000 type in a code to get an extra product for every five they spend, you're just going to frustrate them. You might as well just give it to them because you already told them to have. So that's sort of what I was getting at from the technological implementation side. On the consumer side, people are more likely to put in a code because they're excited to be part of that whatever that is. And you can make that as, as boring or as exciting as you want. Hopefully everybody, I believe everybody on this panel knows how to make it exciting. Okay, amazing. So just to summarize, uh, you know, obviously the algorithm that you are going to have in the background is probably going to be similar for your B2B and B2C because the technology platform is probably same because the your discounting process is probably going through the same accounting engine that you have. But the communication is going to be different. In case of B2B, you are not really going to be 
communicating the actual code, you are going to be communicating the offer. But in case of your B2C, you are going to be communicating the actual code so that they can apply uh, wherever they might be on the channel, whether on phone or one of the coupon sites. Uh, did I get this right? I was just going to give you props for being a really good listener and explainers. Good Love job. it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. Okay, Eric, I'm actually going to move to you next. So from your experience, again, we are going with the technical implementation. What differences have you seen in your perspective? Do you have any agreement, disagreement so far with what has been said in terms of what is a coupon and what is a discount? No, I I do agree with what has been said so far. Um, I I would characterize a coupon as as usually a one-off price reduction that's tied to some sort of event like perhaps a promotion, a marketing email, or the event can actually happen on site too, where something triggers when they put something in the cart, which is sort of a variation of what Steve just suggested there. A coupon code could be automatically applied to a cart when certain product combinations are in there. And then the the codes themselves can be tracked through reporting to see how many people use these various uh, products, bought these products and use these discounts. So I think it does absolutely val- need to be reported and, and tracked. Uh, I think you said earlier, um, Sam, that there wasn't accounting. People don't know much about that. Sure, they care about sales, but marketing and accounting definitely care about how much money was reduced. But they also care about how much sales was generated from using those uh, coupons. So that's how you Kind of come around full circle to validate these marketing programs and i just wanted to mention the there's other there's lots of ways to implement these programs and lots of nuances to them you can make them one one time but there's also a few traps i i attended a a, a show a consumer show actually and the kind of the word got out behind the scenes that hey if you use this particular code from this vendor who i had no relationship to you could get a $10 off on this registration. And it was on some coupon discount website somewhere. So those websites exist purely to publicize these um, these discount codes. And you know that could be a good thing if you want that to happen, if you're the manufacturer, but it, it might also come back to bite you if all of a sudden you expect maybe there's a thousand people that were going to take advantage and then and then actually 10,000 took advantage like whoa what happened there so that's part of the technical implementation you have to consider these things yeah so you had some really interesting insights there and we are definitely going to go into these strategies to make the coupons effective mm-hmm. obviously the affiliates that you are seeing that's actually part of your distribution strategy that should be you yeah. should be analyzing their market their outreach and again, if nobody sees the coupon, obviously, uh, it's probably not going to be effective. So you want to make sure that somebody is seeing it. Uh, that is the first part to make it work. And obviously, what you want to do is, let's say, if you are trying to sell off just 10 coupons, obviously, you don't want to sell 10,000, as you correctly pointed out. So you definitely have to have that control from your technical implementation perspective. Otherwise, it's going to bite off. So I'm actually going to move to Dave Chrysler. Dave, what has been your experience so far? in terms of the coupons and what are some of the considerations that you have seen from the operational perspective where everything needs to be sort of be synergized. Otherwise, it's going to fire back. The coupon strategy is going to fire back. The example that, that Eric mentioned. So what has been your experience? Yeah. I, so first off, I just want to say, you know, Ben, I think you did a really good job of, of very quickly and concisely kind of pointing out, you know, the definition. Um, and I completely agree with you. And And in terms of what Eric was saying and how that relates to, you know, both sales and operations, right? I look at coupons as kind of the way to attract and discounts as a way to retain. And the terminology, I think it's interchanged quite a bit, but in terms of how it relates back to operations and making sure that either A, people aren't uh, overutilizing those coupon codes. Um, and again, it depends on what your product mix is. And if you're more in a manufacturing space, it's going to be different than somebody that's maybe uh, has some sort of a service offering that is, um, uh, you know, more more along the lines of like a subscription or something like that. So so obviously there's some, some differences in terms of what kind of industry and sector that we're talking about. But from a, a kind of a macro perspective, I would say making sure that operations and your costing is in line with how the system is going to actually account for that those the use of the coupons uh so again kind of 
back to Eric's point, making sure that uh, your system does not allow somebody to utilize the same code or stack multiple codes, unless that is what, you know, the particular strategy is that you're trying to roll out. Uh, because ultimately what can obviously end up happening is you start to impact your profitability per product, uh, especially if we're talking about in a manufacturing, se- uh, you know, scenario, something like that versus something that's more of a, a SaaS type company that's going to be scalable. And, and, you know, maybe that is a, a way to attract additional users into your sphere. So that's why I like to kind of use that determination of coupons to me are used to attract. That's why across the internet, you see these coupon websites where people can share uh, coupon codes and kind of continue to perpetuate that. Um, I think if businesses were trying to protect themselves from that, uh, they would be more in line with going after some sort of a discount strategy versus introducing a coupon strategy. That's that's kind of my differentiator. So I am actually going to have a clarifying question for you, Dave, as well. By the way, good distinction overall from the operational perspective and good setting the stage. But my question to you is going to be, for example, let's say the point that Eric mentioned related to coupons that, you know, sometimes they are going to be controlled by the, you know, website. Your goal is going to be to keep it. I mean, especially if you are doing PNL as the PNL leader, your goal is going to be to provide or get the as centralized insight as possible. So each of the discounts that you are going to have across the channels, you are looking for just one PNL, and then you are actually trying to segment this, this across the board and see, okay, what is working? Which customers are utilizing more? Which customers are utilizing less? Now, if you are going to have your e-commerce platform handling some of the, the discounts that does not really exist in your accounting system, Okay, accounting is only going to have the discount because if you are going to use, let's say, an add-on from the website, they are going to have their discount codes that the life of that coupon is going to be right inside that website. Okay, so number one, how do you sort of carry over to your PL and how do you segment that because you need that discount code to be able to understand what's working, what's not working? Yeah. Great question. And so from my experience, I would say it's going to involve obviously integrating your two systems. So depending on the level of sophistication that you have on your financial side. So if we're talking about a fully integrated ERP system that uh, typically you're going to find in in most manufacturing facilities, they're going to have some interfaces to integrate with the e-commerce side of things. So what exactly happens is, you know, a lot of the coupon codes and uh, what whether it's the code, all of that is determined on the e-com side or between them and marketing. What ends up happening then is those coupons are being redeemed. That information is fed back into the ERP system. And even if you're, at least in my experience, again, there are some integrations, even if you are not do not have a fully integrated ERP system, you're using something like QuickBooks or, you know, a Sage system, there are still integrations that can be had where that information is then put back into your financial system so that you can actually start to drill down and see what demographic of customers are utilizing this. How does that align with our strategy in terms of, okay, we let's say we we have, you know, a 10,000 customer database, we issued uh, 5,000 coupon codes. And out of that 5,000, that was split into maybe one AB test, right? So now you've got all of this data that you're looking at. When those coupons are actually triggered in the e-com side, those should blow over into your financial side. And then you can start to do all of that uh, analysis to find out what's working, what's not working. Can we do another test? And again, from my perspective, it's really about putting both sides together and continuing to test. It's always a a constant, you know, iteration of saying, let's plan, do, you know, reviews or review, revise, repeat. So I am actually going to describe how the integration that I have personally seen in the real life. So let's say if you have the e-commerce system, those are going to have coupons. You have your ERP system that is probably going to understand only the discounts because the coupons does not exist in your ERP system. So what is going to happen is if, let's say, your coupons are only existing in your e-commerce system. Now, if they are integrated with your discount codes, then obviously you are going to have that insight. Otherwise, what systems are going to do or what people who are implementing these systems or integrating these systems are going to do, they are simply going to send the final price for your sales order, meaning you are going to lose the insight 
for the discount because the only thing you know is I have sold this product for this customer at this price. You don't know what was the discount that was applied. So you don't even know that this is a discount sales order. You know how many discounts you have applied on the sales order. So that's the real life scenario of the integration. Have you seen something similar or have you seen anything different? No, exactly that. And what I was going to add to that is the problem that happens when you don't show that that particular sales order as a discounted sales order. You've got two sides of it. You have obviously the business side of it. So from, you know, looking at P&L review, you're going to see that this product and this particular sale was at a less rate, which is obviously going to, you know, impact your margin. So there's no way when you start to aggregate tens of thousands of orders to remember that, oh, well, that was probably due to a discount strategy or a coupon strategy that we had implemented. So that's one part of it. The other part of it that I've seen kind of, again, talking about real world scenarios, you have to think about what is in the mind of, of the consumer. And, and in my experience, it doesn't matter if we're talking B2B or B2C. And what I mean by that is if you show somebody an invoice with a price of $100, but that price was the result of a coupon being applied or a discount being applied, but that specific discount and or coupon was not correctly identified on that invoice, in the consumer's mind, they're going to think that that was $100. So the next time around, they're going to be expecting a $100 price tag, not the $125 price tag, less a $25 coupon. So in my experience, you're really impacting both sides of your business. You're impacting the consumer side and what you're putting into memory because they now have an expectation of what that price is, even though you have provided a coupon and or a discount code. And you're also impacting your ability to make good financial decisions from a P&L standpoint, because it's impossible, especially as you start talking about tens of thousands of orders, it's impossible to recognize that, oh, we had implemented a coupon strategy that obviously impacted our revenue, which then obviously impacted, you know, bottom line profitability. So you really want to make sure that when you implement something like this, that you can not only reflect it, but have a separate line item for it, reflecting it. So everybody is on the same page, business, and consumer side. Those are the golden words, my friend. Marketing is much deeper. Marketing is not supposed to be just your sale is done and we are done. That's not how marketing works. Your invoice is marketing as well. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. So, Dave Meyer, I'm actually going to move to you. What do you think so far? Do you agree with everything that has been said so far? What has been your experience overall in treating the discounts and coupons? I, I think the the most um, first, first it's been fascinating so far, and you know even even the lowly coupon or coupon, depending on where you are in the world, right, is is incredibly useful as a lever, as a tool. And so you know my perspective is always how how does it affect the marketing? How does it get to people to do what we're looking them looking for them to do? So in my perspective, getting coupons and using them as a lever into a considered process is going to be very helpful. And so, you know, Ben Ben started us out with, you know, it's a access to a discount and people are used to or willing to trade something for access to that discount. We're giving them an asset, we're giving them something and we're asking for something in trade. Most often what we're asking for is some sort of access to information, right? It might be built right into the code. If we know, you know where we sent that code and we're able to measure it, we can say, okay, well, Bob Smith clicked on this code. We know that Bob Smith meets these parameters. And so we can adjust and make that useful for us from that. Secondarily, though, we can also use it to smooth out any portion of the buyer's journey. So if we know that in our measurement, and again, if you're not measuring, you're not marketing, but if in our measurement, we're seeing that, boy, we're, we have a huge bounce rate or a huge card abandonment rate for this particular kind of customer in this particular situation. We can grease the skids a little bit or give them a little nudge with a coupon, right? So using it in a laser focused fashion avoids the race to the bottom because you don't want to just broadcast and have all of your coupons show up on RetailMeNot or coupons.com or whatever. Instead, you want to be very focused and that's when an inbound slash email marketing campaign that's tied into the rest of your systems can be a really fantastic asset at identifying friction in your sales process 
and removing that friction by giving them. I, I love what Steve just posted in in the comments. You know, it's an oxytocin bump, so you get a, a bigger hit than you do with kissing and cuddling. I don't think those people had access to the people on this call, but you know, there's there's a huge hit when you can get people to feel special and get them to do something by giving them that. So uh, I'm just looking through my notes here. You know, it's um, the other thing that that I've been noticing a lot lately is Amazon is getting very targeted on some of these things. So yeah. if you're looking through your cart or if you're looking through and you're saying and, and you see um, add to cart to receive a coupon, a, a special coupon, well, there's a huge reason they're doing that, right? The biggest indicator or the biggest wall to getting somebody to buy something is getting them to put it in their cart. Right. So once they see that, it's like, oh, well, that's five extra bucks. Of course, I'm going to click it. Right. So, again, I'm smoothing out all the points in my buyer's journey that have friction. So measuring, making sure that you know where you're hitting and where it's going to impact your journey and making sure that you're giving people something that's valuable enough to want to trade their information and or their action for what you want them to do. Love it. And love the insight that you bring overall in reducing the friction, because obviously you need to have some sort of motivation to sort of, uh, you know, have them cross that psychological boundary that they might have, especially hitting the paywall or adding a product to the cart. So, you know, in that scenario, I think coupons are going to be super beneficial. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. So, Ben, I'm actually going to come back to you in creating the framework, in creating the strategy. Obviously, you need to identify the affiliate partners. I know that you had the strategy lesson for us that you wanted to talk about. So I don't know, this is probably the point where you want to share, you know, how to go about the strategy, how to identify the right prospects and how to create that control in case of coupons and obviously the affiliates as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the great part about it is um, everyone has touched on this kind of uh, to, to a different degree. So I want to dive into that a little bit more before talking about the specific strategies, because yep. especially to what the Daves are talking about, the issue you run into with coupons uh, is if you give them away regularly, and there's some very big uh, company names that we would all recognize who, you know, their entire business model is getting people in the door for cheap. The problem is you devalue your product. You know, the, the $125 not being reflected in just a $100 thing. If you do that often enough, and actually one of our clients has had this problem, their average order is about $15 and they're doing about 60% off. So what was happening was their clients were looking at their price point as a $5 entry price point, not a $15 price point. Um, so you, you, they've effectively devalued their product by offering a coupon to get someone in the door once, no big deal. You know, it's kind of a special thing first time, but then they come in the second time and a third time, it is a $5 product to them. They will not pay $15. Uh, they won't pay $10 for it. So how do you get around that? And this is kind of to your question yep. is, and to, um, uh, what did we agree on? Shiny Dave's point. Uh, the uh, get something for it. If someone has earned the discount from $125 to $100, it's still a $125 product because they've done something. It can be as simple as get your information. It can be carry out this particular activity. It can be give us this insight. You know, there's a lot of different ways for them to earn the product. But if it's very clear to them or earn the discount or the coupon, it was very clear to them that they've earned the discount. The value of the product stays the same and they have earned the right for that discount. So I think that's A, that's very important uh, to qualify before we jump into the specifics. And then B, uh, something Steve said, I think. I have too many notes. I don't remember who said it now. But I just want to circle around to, um, do you remember about 10 years ago, JCPenney stopped their discount program and uh, they just went to the fair and easy pricing model? It turned out not to be very easy. But basically, JCPenney for about a century was known for come on in, you know, between six and nine o'clock in the morning and you get 75% off this coat. You know, the whole thing of sure, the coat's $400. We're going to mark it up to $1,200 and then give it back to you for $400. We know that happens. Steve posted something about that already uh, in the comments. So uh, take a look at that. But that was their model. They had a hundred years of people being used to that. And what they changed their mind, and this is the big issue, is price conditioning and coupon conditioning. If people are used to that already and you try to change that model, uh, they lost $163 million in the first quarter they rolled that out. In terms of, I mean, broadly speaking, that sounds like a lot. It's still somewhere between a 20 and 25% reduction 
in overall sales, depending on whether we're talking about online sales or in-person sales, because of the conditioning that a customer came into. So all of that said, to answer your question, Sam, you have to take these things into account in terms of what's going on. So if you're looking at a coupon strategy, look at what your customers are already used to and figure out, A, how do you get in front of them? Because there's a million different ways of doing it. it. You know, ads like print ads, send out emails, newsletters. You can send out SMS messages saying, you know, click this link. Uh, Dick Sporting Goods says this to me all the time. I get a message every week or so saying, congratulations, you've done this amazing thing. I didn't do anything. Click here for a discount. I click it anyway just to see what the discount is. And, uh, you know, social media, you find coupon aggregators, uh, monthly mailers, you can get affiliates, you can look at loyalty. So people who've purchased a certain amount, give them a different thing. So in order to figure out where to go about it, you first have to look at what is your end result? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to get people in the door for the first time? If so, how do we do that without devaluing the product? And what are you looking for in the long term in terms of uh, are you trying to build relationships relationships with these people? You know, in, in the B2B space to well, everyone's point, there's the purchases is it's a little less incentivized by a certain, you know, great, I got a coupon in the mail. I'm going to go in and buy a hundred thousand dollar piece of machinery. That doesn't really happen so much. That's more of an individual relationship. So what are your customers doing? will dictate, and what do you want them to do in the future? That will dictate where you go about doing it. Fairless was very broad in general. I didn't give you a specific answer uh, because it depends on what the business's goals are in the long run. Yeah, and I love those insights. I think I have been extremely vocal about my eight core goals. And the reason for that is because I probably need to build another house just to store coupons. Can you believe this? Okay. That's how many coupons we have in a house. So I don't know, Amiti, uh, whether the Coles or Gap, I mean, these are the companies, they are notorious in providing the coupons. And I don't know if they really work for them, to be honest. I mean, obviously it must be working. That's why they are printing every minute. It's almost like your currency now. Okay. So yeah, so I completely agree overall in terms of devaluing your product. And let's say if Coles is not going to going not going to provide that ten dollar cash back in any of the transactions, I don't think my wife is gonna shop there anymore, to be honest. So that becomes the expectation. I mean you can rather reduce the price and reduce the overhead that you are gonna have because of coupons. So so what's the point to be honest? So I completely agree yeah. with the way JP JC Perry did. I think you know they the coupon should be very timely and should be event based and should be only provided when you absolutely need to achieve a specific goal. Otherwise, that is going to probably become the expectation. Thank you so much, Ben. Steve, I am actually going to move to you. What has been the framework in your experience in going after these affiliates or creating the framework for the distribution to make sure that the coupons are actually going to get noticed and then finally going to get implemented as well the way you are hoping to do? Well, the, the implementation they can vary so widely that most content management systems have some form of uh, coupon production, you know, a coupon code production. And depending on how you want to implement it, sometimes you want a coupon code that everybody gets a unique one, which that's a lot more difficult to implement than where you just send out one code. But it's far often that there's a lot more uh, return on investment in just having one code go out. As far as distribution of that code, you know, if you've got a good marketing team uh, in place, you should have a presence on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, if you're B2B, you might have a presence on LinkedIn. Although most B2B uh, marketing teams are really, it's the sales team sending uh, emails to their dealers. You know, they're not often looking for new dealers uh, in that environment with discount goods. So as far as distribution, uh, hopefully you've got a marketing team in place that can uh, put them out there. Right. And then it's really about A-B testing. Uh, I think there's some uh, a bunch of studies out there that say, uh, I think I actually posted a quick quote at the beginning that said, don't make your people do math. People respond more, according to some of the studies that I, I noticed, to coupon codes that say you're going to get it for this price. It was 90, now it's 75, as opposed to just 15% off 99.99 or something like that. So the strategies you employ in terms of the language can affect how effective those things actually are. And I would, I would challenge everybody to actually try numerous ones with the targets, their, their audience that they're targeting, because uh, 
that's the only way you'll actually know the right answer. I'm actually going to ask some clarifying questions here. I think, you know, one of the comments that you mentioned related to the unique code, I know that the implementation is probably going to be difficult for that, but that is probably going to have some place. I don't know. I'm probably going to provide one example related to, let's say, I have seen a lot of coupon codes related to birthdays, you know, so let's say if this is going to be just my birthday, then I get a coupon code uh, to do something with it, right? So in those scenarios, do you think that unique code should be used or have you implemented it differently? I don't even know uh, if you have implemented the unique code in any specific scenarios. Yes. Uh, and uh, I mean, you, you give a good example. Um, one that I would give is, is sort of remind people that a coupon code doesn't just have to give money off of things. Yeah. It can give services or other value. And one of the most interesting uh, coupon code impl implementations that we ever did was with a, a company that produces one of the uh, most important drug education textbooks in the United States. Uh, and uh, it's, it's written by this very mild-mannered gentleman who was one of the founders of the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic back in the early 70s. And they wanted to give students, as well as educators who are using their book, access to the website that has videos and lots of other that the, the teachers could get access to teaching materials. The students could actually get access to sample tests. And we ended up creating, we had to work with the publisher of this the textbook in order to produce cards with individual single use discount codes that went inside every single brand new textbook. And the reason we had to do it that way is the company that, that they didn't want to actually give unpaid access to students who bought used textbooks. Part of that is they wanted to make sure that the newest textbooks got into the hands of the students because it had information that wasn't outdated and it was very easy for students to use a textbook that was 18 years old and pretend that it was okay. So there was an incentive to get the students to buy the new textbook. There was an incentive to get the professors to get their book buyers at the universities to buy the new textbook. And then any students who didn't have a new book with the code in it or had a new book with the code that had been used already, that one had expired because someone had used it, they could come buy access to that website for $25, uh, which was a high value for them. So that that's a really good example, I think, of a discount code, a unique one being used per user that was basically broadcast around the world uh, and actually performed a function both for the people who bought the product and for the people who sold the product. And providing, you know, a high value add to the purchase. Okay, love that use case. And I think, you know, everything is going to have a place as long as you know how to implement it. Obviously, if you are going to abuse that for any scenario that are not really meant for the unique code, obviously, it's going to be a lot more maintenance with very little value. But in this particular case, I think this was a fit. Thank you so much for that, Steve. Eric, I'm actually going to move to you. So what are your thoughts so far based on what you heard from Ben and Steve? And how would you approach this, let's say, you know, in terms of the distribution model, uh, in terms of the affiliates, what have you seen in your experience working with your customers? Oh, we've seen a few different models. I can bring up one of the very interesting ones. Yeah. This would be an event-based code. Okay. And Steve, Steve knows all about this because it's in the outdoor industry. People show up for an event, and usually it um, can be a free event, but let's just say they want to learn a particular skill, and then they pay a fee to a guiding service, and they rent some equipment. And along with that, the equipment is frequently supplied by a manufacturer, and you can get a unique discount code, which is about this long, <laughs> and you cut and paste that thing into a website to purchase something later. And usually you have to purchase it through, purchase it through the vendor, either the vendor's site or possibly through the provider of the actual event site. So those are unique one-off codes, can only be used once, tied to a very specific event, super, super trackable. Unlike the other, uh, you know, fall 21 code where <laughs> you get like any sort of discount from anybody in the planet to uh, to use on a particular site so that was a, that was a pretty interesting one that I, I personally experienced wow there was a lot of other things that were brought up i'm not even sure what to cover next so all, all really interesting great points okay amazing thank you so much eric for that and uh dave Freisler, i am actually going to have a follow-up based on what eric just mentioned 
So obviously you can touch on any of the points that Ben and Steve and Eric have already mentioned related to framework, distribution model, and overall strategy. But the point I'm going to ask you is obviously from the PNL perspective, let's say if you are doing any sort of event-based marketing, you want to know which events are working and that you want to track somewhere in your PNL from the accounting perspective. So have you seen this being tracked more at the sub-account level in the chart of accounts? How have you seen the implementation of the event-based marketing overall, uh, you know, so that you have some insight of that in your PNL? Yeah, obviously, you know, like everybody else is bringing up, Sam, it kind of depends on what the goal uh, and, you know, how you lay the strategy out. I've kind of seen both. I've seen it tracked at the sub-account level um, as well as just, you know, the the customer master. Yeah. Um, sometimes that's simple enough to capture the data that you're really after. One thing I wanted to add, I, I was involved in an implementation, something that we haven't talked about um, so far, but but again, just the, it's so interesting, right? How flexible coupons and depending on what you're trying to accomplish is, but one of the uh, more recent implementations I was working on that was focused on coupon strategy uh, involved a internal company store and they were trying to promote products uh, internally uh, with their own team. And so they were, we created individual coupon codes to be able to not only make sure who was ultimately redeeming and for what products so we could track all of that, but it was really uh, served as a double check purpose to make sure that people were not um, in this particular company, there were some uh, people that were related. And so there was a concern that people would be doubling up or utilizing, you know, bundling multiple coupons to take advantage of kind of what they were going after. And so it actually served as a double check purpose to make sure that the appropriate people were were um, utilizing the codes that were given to them, as well as tracking, you know, the things that uh, were being purchased with those particular coupons. So again, there's so much flexibility in terms of the technology, how that technology, both from an e-com standpoint and an internal ERP uh, or accounting system standpoint, how all of that stuff works together. And it's really about identifying, I think back to kind of Ben and, and Steve's point, and Eric's point as well, you know, it's really about identifying that going into things, asking appropriate questions, uh, all the way down to why do we need to track this and how deep of a level do we need to track this so that when we're going through these A-B tests and making different iterations, we mark, make smart decisions kind of moving forward. So the last comment I have on it is since, again, I don't think anybody's talked about it. We talked a lot about, uh, you know, distribution. One thing that I see a lot in my experience is print distribution. So kind of traditional print marketing as well as TV advertisement. There's all kinds of different ways to distribute it, distribute these coupon codes. And that, again, is all part of that strategy strategy discussion, depending on what kind of goals you're trying to accomplish. Okay, amazing insights there. So, guys, I think we are going to have some time to have a little fun because coupons are going to have a lot of different fun stories, especially when it comes to double dipping. So I'm actually going to come back to each of you if you have any crazy coupon story. But I want to touch with uh, you know Dave Meyer if he has any follow-up thoughts in terms of the strategy framework, working with affiliates in providing the distribution and whatever you have heard so far from the other four panelists. Yeah, yeah. It's, as we as we look at this, I think I'll come back to my, my point before that you really need to measure what you're doing and coupons, yeah. when done correctly, can give you that insight because you're giving them, again, a very specific item, a, a specific asset in trade for a very specific result. And so as you build this partnership, as you build this relationship with your customer, it's incredibly important to make sure that you give them the assets. And you can do that through a lot of distribution channels. You need to be careful so that you don't cheapen your brand or wind up diluting the price of your asset or whatever whatever it is you're couponing to help get. The thing that I had a, a quick insight on, because I'm spending so much time in this in, in my client world right now, it might be a fun coupons might be a fun way to get better results to bat, to battle the iOS 15 read apocalypse. So for for those on, that are watching, um, I think I looked and there's like 100,000 people watching today. So um, awesome to see everybody. As we as we look through this, you're not getting the data that you used to be able to get when you sent an email to a list. 
right? If you have a, a big group of people that you're sending out to, anyone that's on a iPhone on an Apple device that has been recently updated, which is like 98% of all Apple devices get updated within a couple of weeks. So you just don't have that data anymore because they've just stopped sending that information that this email was opened. So what do we need to do as marketers? What do I need to do as a marketer? I need to give them something to get them over the hump to actually do the holy grail of email, click on that email. And so a coupon can be another way to spur that action so that you understand, are they opening this? Are they seeing it? Are they doing something? And then once you have that transaction and that action, then you're back in the game and you have that data. So it can be an interesting way to get more information now that getting information from users is increasingly difficult. I agree and love that, to be honest, the use case related to tracking. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. So now we are actually going to do quick coupon fun stories. I don't know if you guys have seen any cases of double dipping uh, or any crazy scenarios where you lost a lot of money because of coupons. Okay, Ben, so I'm actually going to start with you. You have a minute now. for the okay. I'm going to go the opposite direction, actually, because I already used the big loss of coupons with the JCPenney thing. I think $163 million is, you know, counts as a big loss. Uh, one of our clients has actually done the opposite side of things. I can't give too many details because of privacy. Uh, but basically what they did is it's a brand and they dealt with their retail partners and uh, they use the activity, as we mentioned before, to not devalue the brand of going in and purchasing a certain dollar amount. And uh, we differentiate a coupon and a voucher, meaning a coupon requires a purchase, whereas a voucher does not. Hmm. Uh, but a lot of people don't make that di distinction. So the reward for doing the activity, which was buy our brand of a certain amount, your overall receipt must be at least $100. Our brand must be $50 worth of it. You will get then a voucher for a new product. The genius part about what they did was the product wasn't out yet. So what they had done is they sent the product out in small batches to the retailers and said, here, give this out if someone comes in with this voucher. Uh, by, and by doing so, they built up an audience for the launch three and four months ahead of the launch by just giving it out as a freebie for people. It's one of those things, you know, cost maybe a dollar to make and, you know, they sell it for $5. But the whole idea is they, they created a new market for a brand new product that they were launching by using a coupon strategy. Okay, love it. Thank you so much, Ben, for that. And Steve, quick story, one minute. I actually have a similar story to Ben's in that I have a, a, a client who just implemented a system for them where they are also marketing a product that doesn't, it hasn't left the manufacturing floor yet. And I think, so they implemented a coupon strategy where people had to basically submit the coupon within a certain amount of time. There was a deadline for that in order to be eligible to buy this product at a small discount when it was available. And I, if I remember right, I think within 36 hours, I think they had 638 people already signed up and that was a $100 product. So that's a lot of money. Yep. Uh, and they haven't even built them yet. So that could be a great strategy. I can go all the way back to 2001 and tell you we did a, a thing like that with a product that was coming from China that was a, a uh, competitor to Bose headphones. And we sold $75,000 worth of those products before they even hit the shores. And we outsold the manufacturers so much that they were kind of like upset with us. But, you you know, we knew what to do. We Yeah, leverage what you've got. Thank you so much, Steve. Eric, what's your fun story for coupons? Yeah, you don't want to be too successful. <laughs> the story I have is really briefly, I was working with a, a relatively new marketing person, and the company was a bicycle parts manufacturer, aftermarket bike parts to make saddles and lights and bike bags and stuff like that. And I was going over all of the possibilities that you could do with these sorts of things, and she was just going, whoa, this is amazing. We can do all these cool things. She set up this super lab at program. Then she decided to move on a little while later. The person who came in after her couldn't figure out how to work everything. She didn't know what was going on with all of these different codes and what the program was. She didn't document it. So that was, <laughs> it was, it was cool to see her excited and that it succeeded. But then somebody else had to go, Oh, I'm not sure what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Thank you so much, Eric, for that. Dave Chrysler, your fun coupon story. Yeah, I, I think just one comment about Eric's story that it reminds me of keep it simple, yep, <laughs> right? Yep. We can we can make things complex. My story is really about um, kind of generating demand, kind of like what Steve and Ben were saying, just from a different perspective. 
I've worked with a client where through a coupon strategy, we're kind of able to determine what the demand was going to be for his service, which ultimately impacted a CapEx uh, that he was getting ready to do. So he was really trying to figure out, you know, is it going to be worth it to go ahead and, and make this, uh, you know, capital expenditure? And through a coupon strategy, uh, we determined that it was going to be. So pretty interesting to take it from that standpoint. But again, kind of like them, um, it's really about getting creative when it comes to these types of things and not just using uh, coupon or discounting to, you know, back to, I think, Ben's point, devalue the products that you're trying to ultimately sell, whether it's a product or service. Okay, amazing. Love it. Uh, Dave Meyer, your fun coupon story. Yeah, this, this, is, a, this is a watchword or a, a warning not to uh, over coupon, right? Yeah. So um, we, we've all probably heard of the Groupon fallacy. You know, if you're not careful when you market on Groupon, you can wind up costing yourself a lot of money. We worked with a spa and salon when Groupon was all the rage and uh, they offered a $250 spa session for half price, right? Which is the deal. But Groupon takes half of that, right? So now we're down to $62.50 in revenue that they got. Guess what? It cost them $75 for that person to do that spa and salon thing. So they were losing 10 bucks or so per. Now they had a thousand takers on that Groupon, so they lost ten grand. Small spa salon, they didn't have that much dough to go. It almost put them out of business. So you need to be incredibly careful as to watching your numbers and the gotchas inside of having coupons. That's a brilliant story. Love it. Now we are going to do closing advice. So maybe a sentence from everybody, Ben. What is your closing advice for our listeners? I think uh, coupon strategies are very valuable and they can be very impactful. Just be understand what you're trying to get out of it in the long run before you start it. And then secondarily, uh, make sure that you have the technology behind it. And to Dave's point, uh, make sure you run the numbers. Yep. Love it. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, Steve, what is your closing advice? My advice is what I actually typed in a few seconds ago because I wasn't sure we were going to have time for closing advice which is make sure you break down the silos between your manufacturing floor and your marketing department. Because manufacturers understand the gold rats theory of constraints and throughput accounting will really appreciate the effect that a good pricing and discounting strategy can have an increase in average order value to take advantage of excess capacity on the manufacturing floor. It's a, a huge way to increase your profit. Love it. Thank you so much, Steve, for that. Eric, what is your closing advice for our listeners? Wow, Steve, that was pretty good rating on the fly there. <laughs> Just that the, there's there's an awful lot of flexibility, and you should talk to the people that implement these yeah. solutions about all the possible things you could do because there's lots of lots of cool ways to do things. And whatever you're envisioning, most likely can be done some way or another. Yeah, but make sure to keep it simple. You should not require documentation to, <laughs> to, right. to for your coupon strategies. Thank you so much, Eric, for that. Okay, Dave Franklin. Uh, yes. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Uh, start with the end in mind and make sure that you're getting all points of your business in the same room to talk about how you're going to uh, implement the strategy to achieve the goals that you set out. So making sure that your e-com team and your sales and marketing team, as well as the finance and manufacturing side, everybody's working together with that end goal in mind, making sure that Information is tra uh, trading hands at appropriate places so that everybody has vi visibility uh, across the organization to make sure that you're moving, you know, moving the needle forward and um, not missing one critical part of that uh, puzzle. Love it. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. Dave Meyer, what is your quick, quick closing advice? Coupons are a tool in your toolbox. So make sure that you're using them wisely and sparingly as a lever to get people to the next step in the purchase process. If it's buy, great. If it's get them something that you want them to do, great. But make sure that you're taking advantage of it as a tool to get people where you want to go. And from there, measure to make sure that you're actually getting what you expect. All right. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. On that note, I really want to thank you, everyone, for your time and insight. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Sam. See you. See you, everybody. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Eric Landman, head over to earthlinginteractive.com. It's E-A-R-T-H-L-I-N-G-I-N-T-E-R-A-C-T-I-V-E.com. If you want to learn more about Steve Rice, head over to .comjungle.com. It's D-O-T-C-O-M-J-U-N-G-L-E. 
gle.com. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to thechrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about Ben CRC, head over to govi.io. It's G-O-V-I dot I-O. If you want to learn more about Dave Meyer, head over to busyweb.com. It's B-I-Z-Z-Y-W-E-B dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Rani Teja, who discusses the upsell and cross-sell strategies for e-commerce merchants and how you might be able to increase the average order value for your customers. Also, the interview with Steve Rice, who discusses why congruence is the most important factor to optimize product category architecture, navigation, user experience, customer journeys, and campaign design. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.